Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's a solo episode today. Um, I haven't done one in a while, but I asked for some feedback on my Instagram and I got a surprising amount of responses saying they enjoyed solo episodes, which I don't know, it just surprised me and I will gladly do more solo episodes. I just kind of hit like a creative block wall, like not burnout, but I just didn't know how to put into words what I wanted to say. Like I had ideas, I just didn't know how to get it out, but I feel like I'm a little bit refreshed and I kind of know what I want to say, how I want to say it. Um, And you guys gave me good ideas too, what you want to hear from me. And I totally, like I want the podcast to be not only a release for me and a place to talk about things, but a way to help people. Or even like, I know I love entertaining podcasts or I just love informative podcasts in general like, when I was on runs, and, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed soon, um, I'll be back to listening to podcasts on runs. I, like, have a lot of life updates to give, but I'm waiting on a couple appointments next week, and then I'll give a life life update Q&A, Ask Me Anything podcast, so look out for the question boxes on my Instagram, but, some brief life updates. I start school in two weeks and I'm really excited but a little overwhelmed because I've I'm gonna be pretty busy this year just with classes I'm taking and I'm still working during the school year um and that brings me to my next update. There's like an 85% chance I can race the last half across country. I don't know if that means I'm gonna be running at practice but my sports doctor thinks I can at least cross train and then race the races like obviously running because that's what cross country races are and so I'm super excited for that but I have a few appointments I'm waiting on and so I'm going to do a full update and everything probably next couple weeks um I got my permit so I'm driving I had a driving lesson yesterday and it was terrifying and equally exciting and I think I'm gonna love driving. I'm so excited. And I was just in New Mexico. That was really good for my mental health because it really pushed me forward in recovery. And again, I'll do another <laughs> live update and kind of give where I was, where I am now, like the past couple weeks. Um, but yeah, into the episode. So I wanted to do a little things I wish I knew in the early stages of recovery and I'd say I'm still fairly early in recovery like I'm only I think I'm almost seven months now but when I'm saying early I mean like the first eight weeks like the intense period of time where you're battling your body and your mind and this is an episode if you're in that stage or you've gone through it you'll relate but if you've never had an eating disorder or you know never went through this I actually think the body does some crazy stuff and you know I've been talking to a few people on Instagram who are in earlier stages and it just kind of reminded me of things that I like forgot would happen um but I thought it'd be something good to talk about because I don't experience like 90% of these anymore so I've been through it um yeah without further ado enjoy the podcast So the first thing is that 90% of the time, things will suck 
this one's obvious. Like you probably, if you've been there, you know, it sucks. I cried every day. I wanted to give up so much, but this is like the vital stages of recovery. If you make it past this, you're like doing, you're doing good. You're, you're almost like 25% of the way out because the hardest battle is weight restoring and detaching from the major part of your eating disorder and I feel like this all happens in the first at least for me um detaching from the big part of my eating disorder happened in the first eight weeks and after that it's just slowly reintroducing more foods and eating fewer foods and putting yourself in situations that are challenging but to actually like step out of an eating disorder and like recognize you had a problem and separate yourself from the eating disorder brain that happens in the first eight weeks that's hard that's some like serious mental work and it's it's tiring it's exhausting give yourself grace if you think you're depressed you're probably maybe you are depressed slightly or you are depressed but a lot of it is just an exhaustion from how mentally and physically draining this process is and I had no I had no passion for anything I didn't have any drive to do hobbies or like hang out with people I was just like kind of surviving at this point and like pushing through um but don't give up because this is like the part where a relapse seems so easy because you're still fairly close to your eating disorder. You know what I mean? So like now if I were to relapse, it'd be a lot more going backwards to relapse than in the early stages to relapse because it's just a few actions. Um, But my encouragement is to surround yourself with people who are supportive, challenge yourself, but give yourself grace and let yourself like experience emotions you know I would just cry on my floor sometimes for several hours and that's okay because humans are meant to experience emotions or if you don't feel the like what's the word I'm so bad with words sometimes if you don't feel inspired to like do a bunch of things or hang out that's totally okay because you're going through an intense time so just give yourself grace above all above anything second one You'll probably be constipated and bloated 24-7. So, yeah. This one, I just had to bring it up because I have some memories. So, obviously, in my eating disorder, I was constipated. um, Because, like anything, your digestive tract is a muscle. And when your body shuts down, it shuts down non-essential functions first. So, that's why, like, usually your hormones and period are the first to go and then it starts shutting down the essential ones so once your hormones have gone it'll start to like slow down muscle and if you're losing muscle your digestive system and tract is weakening so it's slowly getting used to digesting less food um, and eating more food in recovery in the first few months is gonna kind of shock it and you'll be probably super constipated and your bowels will not be regulated because it's not used to the amount of food a and b actually there's not a b i don't think (laughs) okay um it's not used to the amount of food you're eating and it's learning it's like 
it's like building a muscle back, you know? So if you go to the gym or, you know, you test your strength, even with running too, if you can curl a 20 pound um, dumbbell, but you take a year off and you go to curl the 20 pound dumbbell again, it's going to feel really hard. So if let's say you're eating before your eating disorder, a good amount of food, your body can digest it, right? Then all of a sudden you stop eating that much food, you're eating less, your body slowly adapts to the less amount of food. You go back to eating a good amount of food, it, it's hard for your body, but you can train it like any muscle. So keep eating the same amount of food, and the sooner you up your intake and diversify your um, food groups you're eating, the sooner you'll get better digestion, in my experience at least. When I was still mainly plant-based and vegan, um, just because of the fear foods I had and stuff, I wasn't eating a ton of diverse, like, fat, you know, um, stuff like that. So as soon as I, like, reintroduced meat and stuff and, like, started challenging more foods, ice cream, even vegan ice cream, you know, like, if you're going to stay vegan or vegetarian in recovery, make sure you're challenging a lot of fear foods because when you start eating a wide variety, your body's learning to digest things. So this is, it's like two birds with one stone kind of. If your body can't digest anything, throw it in there. You're going to be bloated and constipated anyways, so might as well teach your body to digest the foods that otherwise would make you bloated and constipated. So like red meat. The first time in recovery I ate red meat was awful. I was like, okay, that was, I can never do that again. That was terrible. And then as time went on, my body learned to digest almost all foods. Some foods are still a little bit more uncomfortable than others, but nonetheless, my body can digest a lot of foods. And now, like, if I eat a burger or, you know, what did I have the other day? I think I had, like, some steak. My body digests it fine because it's a trained muscle. And then onto the bloating part, part of it has to do with constipation. That's why you might feel bloated. But another part is the water retention from your body restoring. So your, um, like, muscles and everything will kind of, like, puff up from glycogen and carbs that you're eating, which is, like, normal. It's going to happen in the process of weight restoration, and you'll most likely feel like you gained so much weight overnight. I promise you, you did not gain 10 pounds to your stomach in two or three days. Um, It's a lot of water retention, and it can happen all around, you know, like, my tummy area and my um, arms and face was where I felt it the most, and I had major body dysmorphia and face dysmorphia because I felt so puffy all the time, but this does go down once you're out of the weight restoration phase, and so, like, now I don't feel like I'm retaining a bunch of, like, water. My face doesn't feel puffy. Um, It does sometimes, you know, in certain situations, but it's not an everyday thing like it was. And then third, you probably won't feel super hungry the first few months of recovery, or, like, you won't have reliable hunger signals because ghrelin, I think that's how you say it, that's the hormone that regulates hunger signals, and it's your hunger hormone. But, as I mentioned earlier, in recovery, your no 
when you have an eating disorder, your body starts to knock out non-essential functions. And hormones are almost always the first thing to go. And so when you're restoring, it restores the essential stuff first. So in the weight restoration process, the muscle function and all that comes back first. And then the last thing to come usually is hormone. That's why people, you might be weight restored for several months, even a year or two, and then you get your period because it's the last thing to come back. So you cannot rely on hunger. And I cannot stress this enough. You, especially if you're weight restoring, you should not be quote-unquote intuitive eating. I think intuitive eating is awesome. It has its place, but it is a um, it's a privilege to earn the right to intuitive eat, especially if you come from a background with an eating disorder. And I see a lot of people not calling their eating disorder what it is, and they say, I need a trans- transition to intuitive eating. I said that too. When you're so trapped in your mindset that is disordered and, you know, wrong, you can't intuitive eat because everything's countering what intuitive eating is. I could not just wake up and say, I want like a bagel with peanut butter on it because everything would counter that. Now, if I wake up and I want a bagel with peanut butter, if I'm far enough into recovery, I can do that. I can quote unquote intuitive eat because I don't have my mind battling me 24-7. And so I think the best method for um, recovery if you're weight restoring obviously is a meal plan. If you're working with a dietitian, they'll have it for you and maybe it's the exchange meal plan, you know, whatever. If you are not fortunate enough to work with a dietitian, three meals and three snacks. And by meal, I don't mean a salad with sliced turkey like you know, and no fats. I mean, a good meal like carbs, proteins, fats, and three snacks. Usually it's a morning, afternoon, and night. That was what my, um, like, that's what I followed until I met up with a dietitian. And this brings me to something else. Actually, like, eat real, real meals and, like, you know, don't call a snack like a cup of grapes. Like when I say snack, I mean your body is working so freaking hard to restore your weight and to heal you. And the more food you give it, the faster that's going to happen. So give it some, some like energy dense food. Don't be giving it grapes. And the first kind of, the first month of recovery, I was on my own and I don't think my mom really realized like the gravity of the situation and so she was letting me kind of do all my own meals and snacks which would I have fought with her if she had tried to step in yes but I think that would have been a necessary fight to get me to eat a bit more um because I was definitely not eating a ton and I like I was eating more than I had obviously in my eating disorder but probably not enough as I should have been to restore my weight faster And there were some moments where I had, like, food freedom and it was good. But other moments, I'd slip back into eating disorder habits. And so, by all means, if you can let a family member make meals for you or snacks for you or challenge your foods with even siblings, like, that's another tip is to help you get enough energy in. This brings me to my fourth point. You should not be exercising, okay? And 
even in the first eight weeks of recovery, I don't go on a walk any longer than 20 minutes even. I know walks are great for your mental health, but there's a point where it's just unnecessary because if I'm going on a walk, whether I go for 15 minutes or an hour, it's still helping my mental health. And so this is a good rule of thumb if you're restoring weight and you have a background with compulsive movement. Flip-flop walks. Wear flip-flops or socks and sandals or um, or slip-on mode Crocs on your walk. Don't walk further than, you know, you could walk with, like, maybe your grandma or something, like, 10 15 minutes get out for your mental health but your body's working so hard to restore your weight that there's there's no reason to be burning excess energy all that's doing is slowing the weight restoration process down and if you're on a meal plan you know that usually you can transition off of it slowly once you've weight restored so if you think about it this way the sooner you weight restore the sooner you can get off your meal plan hopefully and by walking you're kind of only prolonging that process plus on the mental health side of things if you've had a compulsive relationship with exercise i know that walking seems kind of innocent but sometimes it can be compulsive like after a meal to quote unquote digest food but it's like more like burn off this meal and so i think taking a break from walking really healed my relationship with it and um you know, any form of exercise, you're going to have to take a break if you've had a bad relationship with it. And, you know, you're the only one who can be truthful with yourself and say, okay, I have a bad relationship with this. I need to take time off of this. But I 100% recommend no exercise the first couple months of recovery. And then fifth, you'll probably feel exhausted all the time when you're weight restoring. Like, No matter how much sleep you get, I woke up and felt like I got hit by a truck literally almost every day. I could barely function. I, like, I could barely get up the stairs at school, like, to the second floor um, because you're so exhausted. Your body is working so hard, and it's honestly crazy how, how amazing your body is and how hard it's working just to get you to a healthy weight. So, if you feel tired all the time, like, it's kind of normal. It's a normal symptom of weight restoration. And then another one that kind of goes hand in hand, you'll, you might wake up feeling so sore. Like, like, I just did a workout type of sore. And I'd wake up and I'd go to stand and my thighs, like, my quads would ache. Like, I had just ran, like, a marathon and my back would ache, like, my side would ache, like, the muscles. And I don't know exactly why this happens. I think it has to do with your body is rebuilding muscle. And so, you know, um, that hypertrophy can make you sore. I think that's the word. Yeah, hypertrophy. Um, It can make your muscles sore. And I think that's the main reason why you might feel so sore. But it's also kind of, it's normal. And... I feel like the last thing you would need to be doing here is working out. So that's another reason I think no exercising. Because if you're, especially in weight restoration, this is at least how my dietitian and doctors put it. If you're lifting weights in recovery, um, 
the way muscle growth works is it breaks down the muscles and then builds them back up bigger. If you're lifting weights and you're breaking down muscles while your body is simultaneously trying to build them back up, I they just told me it's not wise. It's a high risk for atrophy. Um, and it's once your body's in the state of weight restoration, it's easy to keep going. But if you stop and slip backwards, it's harder to get back up going again. And so they advised me from strength training. In fact, I wasn't allowed to. I was off of all exercise for a while because um, of my bone density. And once your weight restored, I think there is a time and place to reintroduce exercise. Sorry, little rant, but I just I feel very strongly about taking a good break from exercise. Another one, eating induced hunger. Sometimes you might not feel hungry, but you know, you can't rely on your hunger signals, obviously, as I talked about earlier. So you'll eat a meal and then you'll feel ravenous after and you just cannot get enough food. And this also can feel confusing because maybe like your stomach, abdomen area feels full, but you feel this empty feeling. That is a sign of hunger. Eat if you feel that way. Um, and it is confusing because your body's your body's going through all sorts of stuff. Roll with it. And don't be afraid to honor any type of hunger because your body's smart. It's telling you the rate it wants to restore. If your body wanted to restore very, very slowly, it'd be telling you that. But if you're having any type of mental hunger, your body's telling you to restore. Give in to your mental hunger because... I feel like if you don't, you'll just have to do it later, and you might as well get it done early type of thing. Another one, extreme hunger can come at any time, even in the middle of the night. The most memories I have with extreme hunger is middle of the night. I wake up at 2 or 3, I'm ravenous, I'm eating 2 or 3 bowls of cereal, but the first couple weeks, I wouldn't give into it really. I'd eat like a snack, as much as I deemed a snack, quote-unquote, and then I try to go back to bed, but I couldn't. So I'd be up t- from 3 a.m. to the rest of the day. And if I could go back and tell myself one thing, it'd be eat until you're full. It does not matter if you're going to eat breakfast in three hours. Literally, just eat. Because it is so important you're getting adequate sleep too. And if your body's hungry at 3 a.m., you should be eating to satisfy it. Because it's obviously trying to tell you something that it needs more food. It wants more food to restore and I think something that really opened my eyes, this is my next my next topic, number nine, hypermetabolism. If your body is telling you it's hungry, you should probably eat because your body could be hypermetabolic. What is hypermetabolism? So hypermetabolism is when someone is restricting for a period of time, not eating enough, and then they all of a sudden start eating more, or for me, what happened was the first week I wasn't eating more. I had just stopped all exercise. And so that had, um, like my body was, you know, getting more energy because I was using less, if that makes sense. Your body has been running on such low amounts of energy for so long that when you bump it up, your metabolism speeds up. It's frantic. It's trying to get as much energy as possible because it's in a state of starvation and it doesn't know when you're going to give it more energy again. So your metabolism is going crazy, like four to five times the normal rate. And so I was 
Okay, trigger warning, I'm going to mention a calorie number here. Not how much I'm eating, but probably how much my body was using. My body was probably using anywhere from 3,000 to 6,000 calories when I was hypermetabolic. But I had no idea. And this was the first week when I was kind of scared to give in to, um, to give in to, like, hunger I got. And, but my body was using so much energy. And I remember doing a weigh-in the first week, like, when I started recovery, I did a weigh-in. And then a week later, I weighed in with my mom. And I had lost more weight because my body was hypermetabolic. And that was something that, like, scared the sense into me. I was like, whoa, my body is not reliable right now. It's doing crazy things. So I really need to trust it and, like, eat as much as I want, satisfy all my hunger, mental and physical. And hypermetabolism is really hard. I get it. But um, if you've been through it, you know. Lots of people are in hospital settings when they go through it. I was not, um, which made it significantly harder because then I had an extra amount of weight I had to restore along with what I already had to restore. Um, so if anything, give in to all your mental and physical hunger because it's, it's all important. And then face dysmorphia is my 10th topic. You will not feel like you recognize a person in the mirror. I, every time I look at my face, I was like, who is that? Like, what the heck? And like anything, I think you get used to it eventually. But remember, a lot of it in the beginning of recovery is swelling. And so, like, my face doesn't feel swollen anymore. It looks like me, if that makes sense. And your brain has been so used to looking at a face that isn't yours, but it, you know, deems itself as yours that when your face goes back to how it should look or does look your mind is thrown off but it will get used to it um it's so hard with face dysmorphia because body dysmorphia is one thing you know you can wear baggy clothes face dysmorphia is another thing it's hard to it's hard to not it's hard to feel like you don't look like yourself there we go um my tips for dealing with it are do things, do self-care things, put on makeup if you wear makeup that makes you feel cute, do your hair, make sure you're still like showering and everything, don't neglect yourself just because you don't feel like yourself, um, I think self-care is a really important thing, and that really helped me, just putting on makeup and like earrings to feel like myself, even though I didn't because of my face, but still doing the habits that made me feel like myself was important, and then weight redistribution, everyone Everyone wants to know when it'll happen. And it's different for everyone is the truth. Um, it's really hard to say. The first three months, I dealt with, like, constantly wanting my weight to redistribute. And I it was on my mind 24-7. I felt so puffy and bloated. But your body is, like, trying to protect your organs. So when you gain weight, initially, a lot of it will go to your stomach. And I felt, <laughs> I felt like a potato with little stick legs and stick arms for the first three months and that's not a reality that was just my mind bullying me but you might feel like that know that your weight will redistribute and your body dysmorphia will get better as your body heals because your mind is becoming more normal again um but be patient and know that 
as soon as you like the the more your body can trust you the faster it'll redistribute so if you're eating um and you're eating what your body wants and you're eating enough you're weight restoring your body is gonna build trust with you but if you're falling backwards if you're slight relapses anything that can trigger your body into less trust with you and make the process prolong and so really just work with your body honestly if i could say one thing to people in the beginning stages of recovery work with your body not against it and then 12 this one i didn't realize till like a few weeks into recovery but if you have any dietary restrictions that have nothing to do with intolerances if you're vegan if you're vegetarian I adore people who can be vegans healthily, but lots of people who are recovering from eating disorder use veganism as an excuse or as a way out, um, as a way to keep restricting. You might, you probably have to let go of those. I, I would love to be vegan. I really would, but I know that would send me spiraling backwards. And the most progress I made was the month after I wasn't vegan because I realized all these irrational fears of food I had. And so I encourage you to evaluate your relationship with veganism or vegetarianism. Vegetarianism, that's a long word. Um, And kind of reflect with someone about your intentions. Maybe it's a therapist, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a sibling. Why am I vegan? Why am I vegetarian? And really think about how that could be limiting you in recovery and how that could really help you if you took off the labels. Anyways, that's all for today's episode. Um, yeah. Oh, my one thing that made me feel sunny this week. So, I would say I've been trying to get into yoga. And so I've been making myself do yoga. It's only been a couple days, but... I feel so good doing it. Showing up is hard for myself, but after doing it, I feel really good. I feel really relaxed. I feel like there's tension been released. And so that's something I've been really enjoying. Feel free to message me, you guys. My DMs are always open. I love to hear feedback. I love to hear anything, honestly. Um, And yeah, I'll catch you guys in the next one.